The following episode of the Carnival of Randomness is sponsored by an important message to you, the people from Upsetnik and Associates. Every day there are forces that are taking from you, stealing from you. Your money, your time, your freedom. Immense faceless corporations, banks, credit card companies, insurance providers, government agencies, this list goes on and on. When you are under attack and facing crisis, turn to us, Upsitnik and Associates, attorneys for you, the people. When every day becomes a battle, we can advise and assist. We have been advocates for 40 years. Email us through UpsitniksLaw.com or call us at 1-866-391-3299 or reach out to us through Upsitnik and Associates on Facebook for a prompt, no obligation, communication and consultation. Don't be pushed around. Everybody. Welcome to another episode of Carnival of Randomness. I remain Rob, and that's Zach, I suppose. Hey, it went up to 27 degrees. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. it's, it's winter in Rochester, so it's balmy out here. And Rochester is so blessed with its artistic community, and we seem to lure them here like the witch lured kids to our gingerbread house with little breadcrumbs coming on. And we're blessed today to have some very good artists on here again. And we have uh, Knuckles. Hello. Say, say hi. Hello out there in Radio Land. Knuckle Soldier. Rasta Vaughn. Yo. And there is Susie. What's up? As always, express yourself, please. I know. If you, if you keep Never! Holding, if you keep holding back like that, you don't know what's going to happen. So you want to tell us about yourselves a little yeah. bit? Or? Sure. Well, we, we go? well you guys know me. I'm Susie Willpower, also known as Susie Blair. Also known as Susie Whitney, for all those people who are looking for me. Ah, because I probably owe you money. Because I'm in the howl. Uh, yeah, I'm a musician and a singer-songwriter. And I play in a band called Anonymous Willpower. And uh, we are going to be playing um, at the Tommy Burnett Show for... What's that guy's name? What's that old man's name? Um, Tom Waits. Tom Waits tribute. And that is December. Blah, blah. Um, That's pretty impressive. December something. December. Blah, blah. It's around Christmas. Yeah, I think it's around Christmas. I'll tell you the date in 20, 30 minutes or so. Um, once I find it. And, uh, yep, we're also going to be playing at Love and Cup on the 20th, which is a Friday. With a police tribute band, forgive me guys, I don't know the name of the band. Greg, our drummer, who you know, has booked this <coughs> for us. And and then we're playing on the 26th at Iron Smoke Whiskey Bar with Jerry Falls' own band, Liar's Moon. Woo! Rastavan? Uh I'm uh, Ross Devon, a.k.a. LeVon Jones, uh, known to a lot of uh, people who uh, know me from high school, East High School, back in the days. Uh, my artistic name is Ross Devon. I changed it, like, uh, around 2014, 2000, uh, around, no, nah, not 2014, around about 2007, when I started dancing with a friend of mine named J-Rock from Jamaica. We started uh, doing reggae-style dance. And a lot of people got to know me from the dance. But a lot of people don't know that I'm an artist. I started off uh, with painting, drawing, and even have a building to my credit, which I designed at the age of nine, which uh, people may know, the Changing Scene Restaurant. And um, if you can go to change.org, you, you can see the petition that I have uh, for uh, 
trying to get intellectual property uh, for my design, which I'm having problems getting acknowledged for something that I did when I was nine years old. And I, I do, I'm a jazz drummer, I play drums, and uh, I did martial arts in 1983. I competed in Canada, uh, won six foot trophies. Uh, directed my first film, Judgment Night, starring Jose Taylor Jr., which I acted, edited, uh, played on the soundtrack. And let me see, did I leave anything else that I do artistically? Uh, artistically, I blow my nose sometimes because I'm <laughs> cold right now. And when I blow my nose, I like, I do like a uh, scat mode. I play like, uh, I ask for requests, like any requests. That was just with my joke in high school. When I blow my nose, I always ask the kids, I was like, yo, any requests, like I'm going to play a song. <laughs> so, but, yeah. So he's a comedian, too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I've been said, uh, I have a sense of humor, but, yeah, those are what I do artistically. Uh, if I left anything out, um, He'll be back. I'll be back. You'll be back. <laughs> How y'all doing out there in the Radio Land? My name is Danny Sullivan, a.k.a. Knuckles. Uh, Ross Devon is my partner in, in musical ar artistic crime, and I play at Lux every, uh, every <coughs> Sunday from 6 to 9 with Honky Tonk Henry for their happy hour extravaganza with the Knuckles Sullivan Deluxe All-Star Orchestra. Bond plays on drums. I've been a piano player since I was eight, and I was a child prodigy, but unfortunately nobody recognized it. So I ended up becoming a CPA instead, oh. and now I make music full-time. Cool. One of the things about the changing scene, I grew up with that, and my parents used to go all the time, but in actuality, what's it supposed to be? Uh, actually, uh, I was inspired, uh, 1973, um, there was a contest that was held through our city school district. A teacher came to my classroom when the teacher, uh, she made an announcement that there was going to be a contest for a building and restaurant. So 1973, everything was uh, hamburger. It was McDonald's, The Clown, then you had Where's the Beef, Wendy's, and um, Carol's was just changing into Burger King. So my whole thing was like, uh, I'm going to make put a hamburger on top of the building and make the elevator go up to the hamburger. And by by uh, some chance, I won. I never thought I was going to win. But I guess square and circles beat square every time. I think people look at it and they go, it's a giant spaceship. But in reality, it's a hamburger. Huh. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure uh, if you go to change.com and now the next time you look at it, now you'll see the bun. You see the bun at the top and you see the bun <laughs> at the bottom. Well, that's what it is. One of those things now, every time I look at it, that's all I'm going to see now that you mentioned it. Yeah. So, because uh, hey, only anybody can tell you who made it is the one who created it. Because mm -hmm. no one has never said what it was. So that's the problem in these days, too. I think we're such a charged climate politically now and everything, bringing truth to power again with the arts. And how difficult is it really now? Oh, man. Uh, like I say, uh, at, at the age of nine, okay, uh, the burden of proof was left on me at the age of nine to prove something that I did. Uh, which was like through city school district, but I was in their care and uh, I was under their uh, uh, guise. So uh, like I was thinking that I was going to be protected. I didn't think that I was going to be taken advantage of. I didn't think that like uh, I would be uh, like 10, 15, 20, 30 years later, I would be having to have the burden of proof of something that I won. 
Because if anybody, if you won a contest, like, yo, you never forget something that you won. And then, like, of something of that magnitude, like, imagine that you'd have to walk by and see something and then tell people you did it and people laugh. And we've heard, we've seen a lot of stories, movies about that where that's happened, where artists have been ripped off. Oh, God. How many times have we seen this? I mean, what, the the Nike swoosh? The person that designed that? I think it was some uh, high school or college girl. Oh, the did the Nike swoosh and they bought it off her for like five hundred dollars. Wow! And uh, we all saw how that one turned out. And uh, also uh, the lady who did uh, did you know that the Matrix and Terminator was done by uh, like a black woman who uh, did, uh, wrote the Matrix and the Terminator? I think I'd heard. I've Sorry, heard. No, I've, I've heard, heard, heard Harlan that. Allison claimed uh, that the Terminator was taken from an Outer Limits story he did. That's yeah, I, I but I heard about the Matrix. I can't remember where I was uh, reading something. Her, I think her name is, uh, uh, let me uh, uh, Google it. Well, that's why we're random here. Exactly. <laughs> that's why we turned yeah. to the Google. I have a hard time believing in one. I mean, the Wachowskis were all over that film, I think. I, I, I think that was their film. No, nah, uh, I, I disagree with you because like it was proven in court and she settled for an undisclosed uh, amount uh, because like she wrote a uh, story uh, a book that she wrote and she submitted it's a script that she wrote it was a contest and she submitted the script and then all of a sudden uh, uh, they were able to write the Matrix and the Terminator from like this uh, 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 book that she wrote called Third Eye and that's the problem why don't why do people not realize that man all you have to do is just give them the give them the acknowledgement like, yeah. like that um, the whole uh, Hunger Games issue you know how mm-hmm. the woman or how the author refused to acknowledge the fact that Battle Royale was a thing, and it's like, oh, I never read the book. I never heard of the book. Just say you read the book and put your spin on it, and then nobody's going to get on your ass. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely makes uh, sense, though, because, like, uh, that's the one thing about it. Intellectual property has been it's it's been a big commodity of people theft other people's ideals, especially with a lot of blacks back in the days who weren't able to, like, uh, get patents and able to, uh, like, uh, have patents. So if if I had money to pay for the patent, then that means that the ideal became mine. So there were a lot of songwriters who wrote music back in the days which take credit for, like, songs that they never even wrote. All you had to do was just put your name on it. And yeah. Well, that's to... what the record companies basically did was screw everybody. Jimmy Britney Page. Spears. Jimmy Page. <laughs> Jimmy Page, one of the greatest thieves of African music ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can't say anything because yeah. it's true. And and the thing about it is just like uh like uh then you're going against like uh these uh big uh uh machines, these multi billion dollar companies because of no lawyer wants to take your case because they don't want to go against the big ma- you know, the the big machine, so and they make intellectual property very murky. For a while, they had friends who were saying, oh, you have to get into this, you have to get into this, because it's so complex. But basically, they used to screw all the musicians. Like, I think Muddy Waters used to clean the studio and make extra money because they would rip them off so much. Yeah, and uh, somebody else was telling me, uh, like, a lot, of, um, a lot of musicians back in the days, they would just sell their rights for Cadillacs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Then you see all these people named uh, that wrote these songs, like the uh, the, uh, the the managers or the promoters' uh, daughter name would be, or their son, oh. or somebody who do- doesn't even have any idea about writing music. Their name would be taking credit for like a lot of the, uh, big hits that were out. They had an episode on The Sopranos showing how uh, black musicians musicians were, you know, got ripped off on all the royalties. 
Yeah, that's what the movie Cadillac. Uh, yeah. uh, what was that movie? Uh, 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 Cadillac something that they had a, a Cadillac Hotel maybe I yeah yeah. but they had one there was a movie The Five Heartbeats that Robert Townsend did and they had the part there where they're doing the songs so they get all these these white guys in like <laughs> sweaters trying to sing these soul songs yeah. oh I remember seeing that yeah and yeah, they, and they're like real preppy looking yeah. boys with blonde nothing, hair nothing says soul like a bunch of white guys in turtlenecks <laughs> and, they, and they destroyed the song Oh. Destroyed it. Oh, they made it poppy. They made uh, it for popular. Yeah, but it sounded and so lame. Oh, I just found. I'm sorry. That's who it's for. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, like uh, I didn't know the name. The mother of the Matrix. Her name is Sophia Stewart. Okay. Sophia Stewart. Sophia Stewart. She was uh, the one who uh, huh. came up with the Matrix, because uh, she came out with a book called the third uh, script that she wrote that she submitted in a contest in uh, Hollywood called The Third Eye. Which uh, it dealt with like all this sci-fi, uh, like uh, uh, like uh, it's it was sort of like a resurrection of Jesus coming back. Mm-hmm. That's the like with the Terminator and like uh, yeah. uh, dealing with the whole thing when she wrote it. Oh hell, now that you put it that way, there's a whole new level of imagery in those movies. Exactly, yeah, yeah. because they were able to uh, get the Terminator and the Matrix from like what her the script. That's that one she thing wrote. I've never been a Matrix fan, so you would have to I, talk about I, it because I've just never really got. I never did. It. I'm a huge Keanu Reeves fan, but that yeah, one. Oof. I'm a Matrix fan, and I get it. It's like See. the computer takes over. That's yeah, actually a question because we talk about everything on here. How oh, how yeah, much do you think now? How much do you think now, in terms of how we're getting with VR and everything, this is becoming like the real life? Are people are just going to get lost in this? This is my this is my view. Okay, everybody who's on the computer, this is a, a vision. Maybe they, you know, if like you're like a dark web person or a light web person, you have a choice. Are you going to be with the dark? Are you going to be with the light? <coughs> people who like look at like really creepy things and porn and stuff like that they're gonna be stuck in this planet okay so whoever wants to write i have the rights to this by the way so you can't steal this from me i actually have this copy written just letting you know suckers suckers (laughs) so everybody once they die get morphed into their own little world and they get treated how they watched other people get treated. Oh, online. Elvin, I'm screwed. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much like a perception of like uh, your thoughts, uh, like what people concept of what death is. What you, whatever you imagine, like what death to be is, or whatever you can imagine, that's what you're going to see after mm-hmm. when you pass. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much like what I, I understand what you're saying with that concept yeah. because yeah. that's what I view death. Like I don't see death as like a heaven or a hell. No, I see it as eternal. Like it's like it's gonna be whatever move, your yeah. your mind creates. If sure. you believe that you're gonna be standing in line to uh, be judged, it's gonna be an awful fucking long line. It's like a saying <laughs> which says that the only people in hell are the people who think they should be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because whatever your mind, uh, like, uh, see, uh, just because the body stops, the mind never stops. The thought, the matter, the, the energy. Yeah, the energy. You're 27 grams of dark, dark matter. Of matter. We all period. return back to dark matter. Dark yeah, matter well, dark is, matter is what runs the whole universe. Exactly. Yeah. In the any matter universe, too, supposedly. Right, one. right. It should be different. Well, go, because we have all these musicians here. Knuckles, how did you. Talk about a little about your keyboard playing. How'd you get into it? What have you been like styled everything else? My mother got me into it. Uh, 
I was seven years old, and all of a sudden a piano showed up at the house, and she was taking lessons, and she was terrible. <laughs> but she had a master plan to sneak up on me, and fast forward one year, and all of a sudden I'm at the piano, and she's in the other room listening. I, I practiced every day for uh, five years for 45 minutes with an egg timer, which I would always try to run forward but I'd always get busted by, by my mother because she was always listening to me play. <laughs> but it made a big impact on my life, and I, I, I can't imagine a life without music. And I've met some amazing people throughout my uh, life and career as, as a musician as a result of playing. And I can't thank her enough. So she's solely responsible. But did you ever get? To, did you ever say, Ma, maybe I'd like to try the violin instead? Or did you always, did the piano appeal to you? No, she stuck me at the violin. No. But the piano, I felt, was enough, plus the violin hurt my neck. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. And I want to give a heads up to uh, my piano teacher, Henry Ferranti, uh, who unfortunately is no longer with us. But uh, his work lives on through me and, and through his other students. That's actually the thing, because we have two non-musicians here, and the way of musicians. Did, I'm going to say this in a weird way. Did the instruments sort of call to you in a way that the one's like, wow, this is for me? Yeah. Yes. Like, for me, I was uh, I was nine years old, and there was a jazz band came to my school, and, uh, like, uh, everybody was sitting down. And when they started playing, like, I just uh, got up out of my seat and just walked right up to the stage and just stood by the drums. And I knew from that day that, like, I was going to be playing drums. Yeah, and ever since then, I was, you know, I got my first set at nine. My mother bought me a set. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the drum uh, store that used to be on Main Street? Duke Spinner. Duke oh, Duke Spinner. Spinner. Yeah. yeah. He sold, I, he my sold neighbor. everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. I used to go in there and, like, all dream about all the sets I would have and play and how I would be this big musician. And then finally, he's like, yo, tell your mother to get you a set for Christmas. <laughs> oh, so Did you add that you'll see this in movies <laughs> and other places where you're... You, you get inspired to do. You go by and you see one in the morning. And go, I want that. Yeah, <laughs> and it was. I remember my first one. It was the orange uh, crush. It had the uh, sparkles. Nice, yeah. nice. That's nice. And I got that when I was nine uh, for Christmas, and I told my mother that's what I wanted for Christmas, and I got that. And uh, the the one thing that was so funny about it was, was like I played like to. I had a certain time where I had to cut off and I couldn't play no more. So then at night when everybody go to sleep, I still be trying to sneak in and play. I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm drunk. <laughs> so that's how I learned how to play really quiet. And it served me to this day as a drummer to be able to play with a lot of musicians and not be over the top and be able to blend in. So I think my mother for like, you And know, did you learn playing along with albums or just playing along yeah, with? Yeah. Um, because that's what I've heard with a lot of people yeah. that they play along with. It was a lot of beats that I had. Like I used to just rock with my hands at... I used to like play with my hands, so I was able to imitate like all the rhythms that I had. Like when I got on the set, certain drum beats that I already knew and I never had even played before from just banging them out on my hands. So, and I'm, this is coming from a non-music expert at all, but like in terms of jazz, I think one of the appeals it's it's so non-structured. You can go wherever you want. Mm -hmm. yeah. You never know, and I think the beauty of it also is you might be playing. You might not know yourself where you're going to go, and it might come out to be something really beautiful and special. Exactly, yeah. and 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 it's non-structural, but it's very organized. A lot of people, it's or, I, I call it organized confusion. 
It's very, organized chaos. Yeah, like <laughs> it, but it's very organized. It's it's just like it's certain things that's going on. It's certain things that you gotta have to make it to be that element of jazz. It's not just like you're just doing anything. Right. But you do have the freedom. See, the thing about it is that when when you get the freedom, certain people can't handle the freedom because now you gotta think. Now it's just what are you gonna do? You have to learn to improvise too on your feet. Exactly. Your feet. So a lot of musicians, uh, a lot of top musicians, have a problem of just coming. Out of the, out of their head with something. And I've heard this. One of my friends told me this about one drummer, and I forget the names. Think we don't badmouth anybody on here, but he's saying this person was a really good drummer. They knew, but they couldn't improvise at all. They had to play, and if you went out and tried to improvise during, they would just fall flat. They wouldn't yeah. be able to follow you. And one of the books for me that really influenced me in terms of music was the lives of the great composers. Because what happened in there, reading about all the classical composers, was that for classical music there is a structure. And it shows oh, yeah. you the, the beginning. Okay, this is telling the thing. This is this, and and there is a method to the so-called madness that you might not know. Because like uh, the king would kill you if you tried to do anything outside of what the music was structured. Yeah. Uh, everybody, I got a good idea. I want to try this new thing. <laughs> no, you're and not. then some, yeah, somebody said, "No, you're gonna lose your head. <laughs> Don't do it." Hey, and think- then he goes and tries it, and then because like head. yeah, classical music. Uh, was like always in four four time. It's like it's one two three four. Everything is like in a certain syncopation. Either it's in a wash time, and uh, everything is like uh, sync. Then when jazz came, jazz took uh, did things like in triplets, counting in threes, doing odd time things that like wasn't done before. So that's uh, like it really stepped out of the bounds. And of, they do, uh, music. and I think like for example like. Like like Miles Davis bitch through like in Pharaoh's arm he goes like twenty seven mm-hmm. minutes long but you start out, and all of a sudden it manages to go all over but then it really ties everything up at the end exactly because uh, another uh, example I was watching the Queen uh, documentary and uh, he wanted to do Rhapsody and it was like nobody's ever done a song that long fourteen he's like yo just uh, try it. and it came out to be a big hit. That's amazing, too. You have opera and everything in a song in the 70s, and it becomes a big hit. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like, hey, Jude, they want, they've never been a single eight minutes long. <laughs> but the Beatles were the Beatles. They didn't care, I don't I think. Don't yeah. Another one, uh, uh, like, Fela, uh, uh, Fela is another uh, musician who I, I'm very inspired because it's not about, like, doing two minutes or three minutes. He may do a 30-minute or 20-minute song. Sun Ra. <laughs> yeah, another one too, and like I'm really into it. Like uh, uh, I have some music where like it's just like uh, maybe uh, 30, 40 minutes of just it just goes into this thing, all these different avenues of where it goes to. It's like organic, uh, like I call it like a, a a painting of like you know, but it gets to the point. I think that's like, a really yeah. good description of painting. Yeah, very good. Yeah, especially uh, starting off with uh, being an artist first, and then uh, uh, going into music. So that's how I see music. Well, as, who was like, your art influence? How did you get into that? Did you just self-taught? Or? Uh, actually, uh, Jimmy J.J. Walker, uh, seeing Kid Dynamite. And seeing <laughs> I love him. Dynamite! Yeah. It was like uh, I had the lunchbox, and like this guy was a, a black artist. And like I'm like, wow, that's me. I had that lunchbox too. Yeah, for all of us him. grew up in the '70s. We grew up with the yeah. slogans had, like "sit on it," yeah, you know, up your the, the rubber hose, yeah. <laughs> dynamite. Yeah, so that that that's that really it's like uh and then like uh the Jetsons was another mm-hmm. uh of like the futuristic. And that's why another thing why the building came out the way it looked at too, not just like a hamburger. 
Oh, because, yeah, because like, they all had that kind of shape. Yeah, yeah. there was a lot of that going on in the Justin. And, like, you know, me as a kid, like, yo, I was, I used to, me and my brothers, uh, we we organized a system of who was going to watch what on TV. So, like, uh, we would trade <laughs> nights. Uh, like So, like, a lot of things, I didn't eat meat back then. So, like, I would trade my brothers my meat for, like, their TV to watch what cartoons I want. Or to get their TV night. So a lot of times I didn't watch TV. I'd be drawn, so I'd give them my TV night and trade them certain yeah. things. Uh, like, Here, bacon but, double cheeseburger for the Jetsons, but, dude. Yeah, I got to <laughs> see the Jetsons, Sold. and I got to see Jimmy J.J. Walker, because mm. like he was an artist. And, oh, he was something. Yeah, you know. And I love that painting that they had in Good Time at the end with all mm-hmm. the, that was oh, under Marvin Gaye. Yeah. That was a big inspiration. So I remember the family at the end, but I don't remember that. Yeah. And I actually got it at Ollie's. I got the complete... Uh, good time so I can watch it. Really? Oh, yeah, awesome. I gotta look for that. Yeah, because yeah. no if, if you yeah. see some of the artworks that they showed in the work, his artwork was very obscure. Uh, like it was always like this abstract, just like uh, the one artist who did the the painting uh, for the uh, Good Time, uh, and it was the same uh, painting that was on a Marvin Gaye uh, album. Remember this? This was a breakthrough in the '70s because remember you go back to when Bruce Lee came up with the concept for kung fu. They stole it from him, and they mm-hmm. said, "You know, you can have an Asian yeah. being a star." So now you were having different. That's, that's who uh, took 70s. over. Uh, uh, what's called Jim Carrey took over kung fu. That originally was supposed to have been Bruce Lee. Yeah, it was wrote for him. And the thing didn't... was, he they, they got really mad about David Carradine because I guess they didn't even they used karate and he was not yeah. trained at all. But they thought an Asian couldn't. Nobody would watch it. <laughs> yeah, boy, did they swing and miss on that wow. one. Boy. Gosh, they sure did. So well, David Carradine start... was Asian, though. Uh, he, was, no. he was half Asian. I think it was Asian descent, but not actually from, like... Uh, well, his mom was Asian, I do believe. Bruce, where was Bruce Lee from? Hong Kong? Uh... Uh, yep, Hong Kong, but uh, his uh, family uh, uh, was from Seattle. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. I think they moved to Seattle. The thing was, you don't realize he was a really, really good dancer. You could see him in a lot of young. Yeah. He was like a he was cha-cha. really, he was expert, really good cha uh, cha dancer. dancer. Yeah, because oh, yeah, that's that's like I say, he it's inspired so me when I took martial arts because I was a good dancer. I used to win tournaments because of my footwork. I was a mm-hmm. good dancer, so I would I I I would be fighting, but I'd be dancing. Kind of like Capoeira. Yeah, so, like, you know, when you're dancing, you don't have fear because now you're moving, but the other person is too much thinking about his stance and everything, but you're just warming That's up. That's a good analogy, and I've heard because Jackie Chan said almost what he did is like a ballet. Yeah. It's like a dance almost. You have to... And, that's, and then, so if you're competing, like, you're not thinking about winning, you're just thinking about the dance. And yeah, every, and speaking, every... speaking of dance, that's how I got into music, because I watched Soul Train. I didn't watch American Bandstand, because I didn't like the way the people dance. The people, seriously, I'm not yeah. joking. I, I watched the people who were dancing in Soul Train, and I listened to a bunch of music, and, and what happened for me was I was watching, I'm an inner city kid. So we were watching um, uh, Fat Albert, and Fat Albert was my favorite. And I would yeah, always I sing along to, yeah, 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 gonna have, have a, a good, good time. time. Hey, hey. Which you got might me. learn something. Well, yeah. Greatest creator and I would, learn something, actually. And I would go on the piano. Band, yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> absolutely. And that was it. That was it for me. It was like yeah. freaking. Stasky watched a lot of TV. Oh yeah, oh, uh, yeah. like I say, that's uh, uh, that's influenced uh, me. Uh, like uh, as far as wise dreaming, being able to dream, and like be outside right. of my uh, my comfort zone, I being in the, the ghetto, things. and like I was able to escape uh, with TV. Well, and you but, think think about it, like TV especially, like how many great especially pe- back then, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How many great people in walks of life have started because they saw somebody on TV and had that aha moment? Yeah. Well, you won't, like, like that kid that saw Hank Aaron playing baseball, like, oh, this yeah. is what I want to well, do. One of the things, like, even, like, you think about, like, Soul Train, a lot of the bands, Parliament, Cameo, and everything, yeah. you the heavy bass influenced a lot of like Guns N' Roses and all these guys mm-hmm. like Duff McKagan because they, oh, yeah. those are the bands not metal bands Red I think Chili Peppers yeah. a lot of that, uh, Jazz, that funk yeah. and just that uh, uh, even because see funk it, it was like uh, funk is also crossed between the rock because then you had black musicians doing rock which made it funk because that was funky to see them going out out of R and B and going well, we know, to we'll never know. But the, the word was about Hendrix that he was really turning into is going to be a very funky direction. We'll never know, obviously. Oh yeah, and that's mm-hmm. and I heard that with his uh, last recording with the uh, band uh, that he was playing with, uh, Band of Gypsy. Uh, you can hear, uh, and that's my vision of uh, my music. I see a, a funk with a, a dis- distorted guitar, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, with a lot of distorted like guitar. And like I was really feeling, Hendrix was another one of my influence too uh, when I was very young. But I was very scared of Hendrix because mm-hmm. the way the media portrayed him, uh, like, and then the way they just uh, uh, made him like he was just a heroin yeah. addict, a wild man. You know, right, fact, I guess his tour when he broke, Rochester was the only place that didn't sell out. I yeah, but surprised. I guess all the musicians in England, they'd go in clubs and they'd see them and they'd go, this is like the future. This is going yeah. to blow us yeah. all Cafe, away. Cafe Wawa, all yeah. of it. I read it's the your, documentary. Jimi Hendrix was in, a, was in a blues band before. He was yep. in like in the army because he, he was in he the army, for, wasn't he? Uh, James Brown. Right? He played for uh, Tina Turner. Uh, he played for a lot of different he people, lot of people before he really got his... Uh, yeah. He uh, was really clean cut yeah. looking. He used to have the doo wop like with the side yeah. hair and the tie mm-hmm. and oh, the, the point. Old, the old yeah. Motown look. Slick hair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah, and he also played for Little Richard. Uh, really? Oh yeah. And uh, they had a fight because Little Richard say uh, him throwing the guitar all around and doing all that. Nobody else stays. Little Richard. Little Richard's like a wild man yeah. out there with like religious guilt. I guess what he would do, Little Richard would write like about his sexual experiences inside of a Bible because he was guilty. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then like he. He came into uh, 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 become a Christian pastor because mm-hmm. uh, he was on a plane and he uh, had uh, seen like a UFO or something. He said he's seen, <laughs> and when he, the plane landed, he, he denounced rock and roll. <laughs> but in terms of like knuckles for cute, did you have influences for who? Did you have yeah, a style? I was, you took I was actually going to ask. Own? It just evolved over the years. But I'd like to tell a quick story how the name Knuckles evolved. I was uh, Jeff Springer. Are we sure we're allowed to hear this? Jeff, Jeff Springer of, oh, the old, yes, good. of the old Red Creek, uh, who, who's in the roster uh, music uh, hall of fame, by the way. He uh, needed an opening band. There was a cancellation at the last second, so he opened for a Sapphire and the Uppy Blues Woman. And my cousin Mad Dog Sullivan was there. And uh, the piano was in really bad shape, real hard action. Uh, some of the keys were missing, out of tune. So I played it, and I got a lot of applause. I came off the stage, and my cousin Mad Dog said, you sounded terrible. In fact, you sounded so bad, it sounded like you were playing with your knuckles. I'm going to call you Knuckle Sullivan. Hey. And it stuck. <laughs> Is that true that grease were dripped down in the dressing room in Red Creek? I've heard stories. I've heard that, too. And I've also heard the U2 story where I guess they were going to have them, but like they tossed them out because they wanted to practice, but they didn't want to interfere with dinner. They wanted to do a sound check, and there were two people, only two people in there, and they refused to leave. 
And so the band took off and went back to Toronto. <laughs> and I remember that because I sat in that parking lot for like an hour waiting for him that, that night. And uh, uh, Knuckles is in two films of mine. My first film, uh, I directed, um, edited, uh, played a part, soundtrack. Knuckle plays uh, a character called Mozart Lewis. So, like, that's what, like, with me, that's what describes the style of me. He's like a, a twist between Mozart Lewis and Jerry Lee Lewis. So if you can take them two and diffuse uh, them together, you would have nothing. That's what I noticed about a lot of creative people we have on here, too, is you end up, you go from one thing, you end up being in everything, a little bit music, <laughs> film, dance. Yeah. There's no limit. Yeah. But there's, like, for me, because I've done some films, and the one thing I see, like, for music, once you have your equipment, it's a little more automatic for, because you can go play. When mm -hmm. we've done films, you have to do fundraising and everything. Oh, we've man. had where, Jeez. literally, it would take, there's a movie, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, where, <laughs> where yeah, the guy told us one. about, he said, it took over, we uh, filmed uh, it at a bar, it took over two years, we did it on weekends, and, like, for us, the last movie we did, we had to go to people raise money and it took like over two years and we then it just seems like sometimes it's just frustrating where it's See, like, I oh yeah i swear to god i'm the only person in rochester that hasn't done music movies art it's like how are they letting me stay in this city <laughs> hey uh but like now you're talking to a film director and i'm always casting people he's always casting people oh I, i'd make a good bloated corpse number two Oh, yeah. well, you, two actually, you two were actually also doing a little cameo acting. You were in Pumpkin Love, weren't you? Yes, both of these guys. Yeah. Were I was going to say, I remember seeing you I, into I, this. Oh, yeah. I, say, uh, I do uh, remember Sue, seeing that. Uh, uh, me and Sue, uh, like, uh, uh, we go way back. Uh, we were like uh, riding. We, we both worked at Marketplace Mall. And uh, it used to be this little punk girl with this little bob and dressed in all black and all this cool style and i used to always wonder i'm like yo who who is that person and i had my style and i was like hardcore combat boots and i used to shave the side of my head off wear suits and bra uh daylight just for, true story yeah for the hell of it combat boots and go to work <laughs> at the mall so like finally one day we talked uh like uh we uh we uh we conversated and i was like at the back of the bus, mind yeah. you, where I'd always sit with the cool kids. Yeah, so, and and then, like, uh, I found out that she was an artist and musician, and she found out I was an artist and musician. <laughs> so we both were saying to ourselves, like, yo, one day we're going to be famous, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we're going to be hanging out. And um, I never knew that, like, you know, w what we had said that we would be here or, like, be working together on music and uh, different stuff together. Because I had went to New York, I was in New York, I went to England, I went to California. I was just going all over trying to just get discovered as a music or modeling, or acting, whatever I was doing. Then I came back to Rochester and I um, seen Susie, a uh, band, uh, front of Susie was doing music. And I never heard her play before. And I went yeah, and uh, seen her. Review, yeah. yeah, and I went and seen one of her performance and I was like, wow. I couldn't believe it. I Actually, was... I'm at the age. I'm at the age, unfortunately, Thanks, where you buddy. see yeah, I'm where serious. you go and you think away. back to when you were that age. Yeah. You think you were that age, and you look now and go, "It's like, for example, like one of the big bands when we were around, like him or not, was Foreigner." So then, zoom ahead till now. One of my really good friends is drumming for Lou Graham. Wow. And uh, it's like, and how everything's come around with that. Where yeah, it's Who amazing when you talk about what cool. you're doing. And I also right on, think. Rob. 
Oh, you got to meet him sometime. You Big really Daddy like Lou is awesome. Mm. I love that man. I love Lou Graham. He's and, so But sweet. it's just amazing. You think, okay, we were talking about music bands, and look what happened. Yeah. And I think we find, because I think there still are a lot of squares out there. I've been sort of used the word again. My good friend, <laughs> Fred Barry, is used Squares. Squares. I think we find our own sort of niche friends, everything mm. else, yeah. community. And we find people who accept us and go, hey, dude, that's cool. Like other people go, what the hell are you doing? No, but we're like, dude, that's cool. Do whatever you want. Yeah, that's 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 that's, that's a I good. You. That's a good point because, uh, like, I tell anybody that's <laughs> yeah, sort of like us. That's like screwed. We just yeah, I met him. We're doing a Velveteen Fox. No, it was Earl Kramer. Yeah, it was Earl Kramer at the Bug Jar, and I just. I always lock on somebody. I lock in their eyes, and if they're not afraid to look back, I go it was right that, down on their knees things. and go. It was also the yeah! one. It was over <laughs> at the hotel. Stan was playing. All right. And the thing was, there was like a weird prom out Stan there. Stan the man. And we were walking. I'm walking through all these people, all these like suburban kids dressed up, going looking at me like this guy a weirdo. They're going by. Yes. And <laughs> yes, Stan's band. I don't know. It was the bad enoughs. Right. And oh, Earl yeah. Cram was opening yep. for them. Yep. And that's where I met you. You're like, hang yep. out, hang out. And I'm like, what's going on around here? Yeah. I knew yeah. Susie since she was 16. Yes. And a joint called Scorgies. Oh, yes. What's, what's, do you have some good memories of Scorgies? Because I, oh, yes. Yeah, they're all good. Yeah. Well, I had the one. Didn't he get really pissed at Lux one time because he wrecked the ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the cramps. They yeah. yeah. started a fire yeah. in the ceiling. Yeah. yeah. With pyrotechnics. And if I remember, I remember. All I remember, I got Don in. Don I heard that the one time Captain Sensible, that the pants went down. He put playing, of course. <laughs> but Scorgies, if you weren't around at the time, that's where all. It was like our own little. Sort of CBGB's yeah, Junior, where really all these bands. I remember. Oh goodness, I forgot the Alex Chilton. Mm. You know Alex Chilton, they're the Ramones. Oh yeah, I just see. Uh, I saw the Ramones every time them. they came. Uh, like yeah, they every were really time. cool. Yeah, you, we were there together. Yeah, yeah. And, and remember when we were there. Two what, of their shows, we were there. Again, together. we were at that age where the music would start to one or two, we'd be fine. We're now like, let's start at eight. <laughs> you, were, you went to the palestra with me, didn't you, when the Ramones played? Uh, I think I did. Yeah, yeah, that was in the uh, 80s. Uh, uh, 80s. Idols, uh, yep. when they were down uh, like uh, Liberty Pole yep, Way. Yeah, yep, that too. Man, we've... Yeah. We had a great I saw the Ramones in 1978 at a joint called the Penny Arcade. There were 12 guys there. that place. And we're all... Uh, that's where I discovered the mosh pit. <laughs> but there were 12 people here in the Ramones in 1978. Wow. Mm. And that's when I was hooked. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't mosh anymore, actually. Actually, there was a band called Resistors, my friend. Oh, and I love the Resistors. And they would have all these high-end songs like Rubbery Rosie, the Sex Doll. You know, and great song. And I remember moshing, and I had beers in my pocket, and they all broke. <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of my mosh days. See, that's I'm why actually you go for the cans. about that because a band I saw last week, and I saw a lot of things last week, so I forget they had moshing. I would stood way in the oh, straight Johnny or buddy Tommy. Mm. Hi Tommy. Hi Tommy. My, my experience of uh, mosh pit uh, was CBGBs in New York. I seen Bad Brains, Living mm. Color. Oh, Soul you saw Jerk. Bad Brains? Yeah. I saw the singer do the. I saw him do an acoustic set at Water Street. My best yeah, girlfriend, Miss, Deb Jones, one. used to be married to the producer of Bad Brains. And, nice. and, and what was my story? Uh, like, um, I don't know. I, w I was in New York City. I had just moved from Rochester to New York. So it was like right around uh, Times Square, uh, Time Square. It was a, a Palladium. 
uh, Palladium, I was there. So someone was telling me that they was playing at CBGB's. And I mean, they were like one of my favorite bands. So I, when I found out, I, I went there immediately. And I was standing in line. And some people came to me and told me, like, was I, like you're trying to get in? They like, And they took me around the back yeah, and took me inside. I didn't pay to get in or nothing. They took me inside and let me in for the free. The question I have to ask, I'm required to ask this question. If anybody went to CBGB's, did you ever try Hilly's Chili? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, so you're alive still. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. bump. I asked Amy Rigby that, and she said, uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was, uh, like I say, um, and uh, I seen HR, like, it was my first time seeing the band, and I, I was the most incredible show that I ever seen. He did, it like, a backwards summy. He uh, stood in one place and did a backwards summy and landed in the same place. I said, oh, my God, this guy is amazing. Yeah. And I mean, Living Color, uh, Circle Jerk. I mean, oh, yeah, like I they didn't. Jerks, nobody missed the beat. I mean, like yo. I mean, uh, the band was like, uh, like it wasn't just like they were like loud and. Uh, I mean, like the stops and the breaks that they were doing, uh, like in all the songs, was just like on. It was even better than what the albums was. So That's... like you know, I mean, it was uh, that was my encounter of uh, my experience of uh, with the Mosh Pit and also with music in New York. Cause like I did a. When I was in 2016, I did a lot of drumming with a lot of jazz drummers. I was like a whore. They would just pass me around to all these different bands <laughs> to keep their drummer in check because the drummer would be all over the place. And I played a Congo with jazz brushes. So they heard me. I would keep this timing. My timing was impeccable. It's impeccable. So they would just pass me around. Uh, as soon as the drummer see me, he'd get very intimidated. Like, we need oh. to get him back for the drummer podcast. <laughs> yeah, you have to yeah, come back. Do. We do. Uh, your pal Greg, uh, he started this. We do a yep. show with drummers. Oh yeah, you'll come back and talk. And you oh, guys, that'd be cool. we let you guys talk shop. The first one was really good. Who, who was it? It was. It was Rob. It was Rob. It was, it was Greg Funk. and uh, the guy from Rob Mount. Yeah, oh, cool. Rob Mount, Greg, yeah, and well, the guy from Primetime Funk. Yeah. I, I was going to say, one thing, Rogers just seems to always pull us all back here. Why do we come back? Me, uh, me. I guess it was the There's build. a vortex over Mount Hope Cemetery that keeps on that's what I sucking uh, us back. Mine is the Federal Plaza. That's my my spaceship. It's like I'm going to, like my soul going to go into there and I'm going to get in and it's going to take off and I'm just going to blast Do me a favor. Can you tell a story how we met? Oh. Oh, okay. All right, so I'm standing outside this uh, Jamaican reggae club in uh, Mexican Village. Mexican Village on uh, State. That's State, right? Yeah, look at all badass. I got these shoes on, Italian uh, shoes from New York City that I paid Ooh. 100 bucks with a, a toe pointy with all these mm -hmm. letters on it. And I'm standing Ooh. out there and I'm smoking my spliff. And this, this white guy comes up to me and stands right in my face like, and looks at me and say, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I looks at him like, yo, I'm like, I'm going to have to mess this guy up or something. Like, He's like, you all shooed me. <laughs> so I look down at my shoe and I look at his shoe and I look back up at him and I just started laughing, man. <laughs> and then after that... It was. It's, it's been. A, uh, we've been friends ever we've been since. Friends ever since. You know, I think because I'll shoot can I, it. Can I? Can I make a bad pun? <laughs> Soul Brothers. Soul oh! Brothers. Oh! <laughs> that's what a good one. See, okay. I think that's one there of the beauty is. of all yeah. things. Arts is there's no rules and it brings people together. Yeah, and see, and that's the thing about it is that like yo, uh, like a lot of people say that's you great. weird and don't like your style, but like yo, you can't. 
I'll tell anybody that's being original, doing your own thing. Don't feed into it because you'll walk right around the corner Absolutely. and somebody will be like, oh my God, I love your style. Right. And you didn't been like arguing with this person. Like, oh, you just left that one because you're going to go somewhere and somebody's going to be like, wow, you're amazing. I love your style. And that's what happened. And that's why I've never been afraid to like, you know, be who I am, dress like how I dress. Express myself artistically. I have musicians tell me, oh, that's not going to work. That note don't go with that note. Right. My jazz teachers say, like, yo, if you play the wrong note, play it twice. Make yeah. sure that they Make hear sure it. Make sure they hear it. Yeah. So, like, you know. It's like, I know what I did. Here yeah, it is again. So, like, you know, that's, like, uh, me uh, and me and Knuckles, like I said, he's been in two film of mine. Uh, the character he played on uh, jazz, uh, my first time I wrote about a jazz musician. Because <clears throat> like I said, I was down in New York. They was passing me around to all these different jazz drummers. I was sitting in with all these different cats. These cats were so heavy and I didn't know who they was. And But like they loved it because I wasn't all like star because uh, they were somebody. Right. I didn't know who they was and they were just passing me around. I was playing with all these different cats. So then uh, I even met Miles Davis' son, Larry Davis, a uh, uh, jazz drummer. Oh. So, like, but, like, uh, Knuckles, uh, like, playing, uh, like, uh, with Knuckles, what, 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 I chase him because he said he can't count to four. I can't count to four. <laughs> so when I play, I'm all over the place. I don't even know where I'm going next, and I'm changing tempo all the time. And Vaughn's the only guy that's ever been able to hang with me. Cause uh, like you know, I just chase him. I know, I know, I know. I pretty much have a good idea of like from all the years of like listening to him play and studying uh, like uh, his uh, like style and stuff like that. But uh, I, I love, I love his creativity. Uh, like he really, me and him, we mosh together uh, to uh, good together. Even even our style, like as we dress when we go out and you see us together. Oh, it's, oh, it's an event. We yeah. get, we, we get photographed all the time together. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, I, I like uh, your cane. Yeah, bones. Yeah, I love them. I love them. You didn't bring bones. I love them. Though he's tired. He's home, so he's, he's sleeping it's, it off. It's cold. It's cold. <laughs> but see what happens. You have all this corporate stuff invented, but then you have the freedom of real art in front of It's really. It's number one. It's like a little valve when society's all nuts to just go. Damn, I'm going to do what I want. Then yeah. you feel free, and when you're free, you can really create. At the age of nine, like I say, uh, like I knew what I what I was going to be. I knew what I was going to do because. Uh, like my mother, even to tell you, my mother tried to put me through law school. I had a uh, what's called to go to law school. They drove me there. They had my bags packed, drove me up to the school, uh, opened up the car door. And as soon as like I got out and seen this big cathedral looking school, I turned around, and looked at my mother, say, <laughs> man, they broke my mother's heart, man. My mother, ever since that day, my mother say, you are a damn artist and that's just it. And. I'm just going to accept that's it. I, that's what I always say. I always <laughs> like, I, tell, like I was coming out of the class. You had to, I had to come out of the class. Mom, an artist. I'm I have no self-help <laughs> But I'm I always artist. say you have to eventually find your own path. Yeah. Could say, somebody could say, you got to do this, and you're not going to be happy. You just got to find your right. own path. And, and that's you know? one thing. It doesn't take one day. It might go, people think it goes straight. No, it goes all the way. Exactly. We're still looking, right, Because Susie? Because <laughs> even, even, with, Absolutely. Even, even with my mother like uh, wanting me to become a lawyer, uh, I, I came back full circle because like dealing with the case with the building and my intellectual property and getting my claim uh, my claim against uh, the city for my intellectual property I had to go back into the law and find out what the law is because right. there's no lawyer that's going to handle my case or that's going to represent me so I had to find out what was the law and like I know so much about law that like yo it's and I think there's a thing about that that you know when you're doing it that 
you're doing it. You don't have to rely on somebody else. Exactly. So, you know, it's like some people, they like to be in charge of things. Cause at least it's going to get done the way they're going to do it. And not yeah. Have to rely on others. Because they're, they're controlling. They could be blowing smoke yeah. uh, like and not giving me the real what's called. Or just they, giving you the runaround so they yeah. can pad the bill. Though. Yeah. Because the people in out there in Radio Land, uh, uh, do you know the difference between legal and lawful? Legal means that you have to have permission to do something. Lawful means that it is your lawful right to do what you do, as long as you don't cause harm, uh, a breach of contract, or damage someone's property. It's lawful. You can do whatever you want to do. That See? is the law. There you go. That's but your... if you don't know, they tell you legal is lawful. <clears throat> legal is not lawful. Legal is uh, those that are property of the government. So you have to have permission from the government to do. If you want to start a business, you got to get a license. License means uh, permission. So I found that out. So this has been very. That was fun. your nickels yeah. worth of free legal advice. There you go. Ross Thanks Vaughan. a lot, man. Thanks <laughs> a lot. This, really, this has been really fun. Do you guys want to come back sometime? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, definitely the drum thing oh, and yeah, everything definitely. else because we could always, we talk about everything on here and we never have enough time. It seems like it flies oh, right no. by. Yep. But where can we uh, see you guys play now? Yeah. Said. What do you got um, coming up? Uh, uh, we'll be at Lux. Uh, we'll like be at Lux tonight at 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. <laughs> and uh, I'm Wednesday at the Spirit Room with Reverend uh, Kingfish. I like to shout out like uh, a, a couple of people, Reverend Kingfish. A big shout out to Jed Wilson. Hopes you get better. Uh, we love shout you, out Jed. to KL Mack, my uh, brother who supports me uh, uh, musically. Always told me that I wasn't crazy. Keep doing uh, what you're doing. There you go. Shout out to my grandfather. If it wasn't for him, I, I wouldn't be doing music. He was a blues mus musician who played with BB King in Mississippi uh, oh, uh, back in wow. the days. Uh, my, uh, he used to come to our house and like, uh, like uh, he knew my father as Rabbit. <laughs> so that's who used to be these guys. Yep. I hear these and and uh, please, yeah. a shout out to Viola uh, uh, Pugh, my mother uh, with third grade education from Mississippi uh, that picked cotton that made me the man that who I am today. Uh, we love you, Mama. Thank you, Mama. Love you, Ma. You know, all these stories I've heard about people who talk about they'll find like some old guy in their neighborhood on the porch who was a blues guy, and that's where they learned. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Because back in the days, even with the jazz, uh, you can go to like uh, uh, these big musicians' house and they would give you lessons yeah. for lessons. Well, Jed Wilson used to play my son's house. Yeah. When he was a kid. Mm hmm. That's awesome. So, when so. you're doing anything, you just do with them, or are you doing anything else? Uh, no, I got a guy named Honky Tonk Henry I play with yeah. at Lux. <laughs> so get your asses 15, down the walk. 15 minutes. We got two drummers, two guitar players. Bavon drums with me. The other drummer's afraid of me. So <laughs> what? Just Why? I think the other drummer's afraid of everybody. <laughs> the other drummer just kind of like does this. Yeah, she's. But she, uh, she knows. But she's four, a good drummer. Yeah, she's for, a very good four, drummer. Four four time, uh, uh, Henry, because that's all Henry wants is four four. I encourage any and all musicians that want to come down and, 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 and jam because we're trying to make this more oh, of an yeah, open definitely. mic night. And, and also, too, I'm working on uh, albums. Uh, I'm always looking for musicians to come through and uh, like uh, uh, record. It's not just about playing the music and letting it go up in the air. Uh, you want to be able to like play it back. Yeah, you invited me to come and do a couple songs. Oh, I'm yeah, definitely. So I'm, like, making this album that's going to be, like, a collage of all different styles of oh, different um, really um, uh, musicians. We might know some people. Yes, we might know oh, some yeah. people. We might know a couple here. people here and there. It's as you said, oh, like, yeah. you have a lot of stuff coming up. You have your Love and Cup gig, and you have yeah. your... 
The Tom Waits thing. The Tom Waits. And I'm going to be doing some stuff with Susie. I'm going to yes. be uh, playing on and some stuff with Susie Willpower. Really um, looking forward to this. Yep. Really, well, Susie, really your style really. keeps evolving. You're all, I mean, you're all over everything. I know, it's you beautiful. Do. It's great. It's a beautiful thing. It's like I can't Thanks. pigeonhole you in anything. No, I don't ever want to be pigeonholed either. I, you know, like Bonnie said, you know, dude, I am my own. I am going to do my thing, whatever I feel like doing. Nobody tells me what I can and cannot do. That's the thing, and I, want, right. I want to point this out, right. that one gig Absolutely. we had at Smoking Joe's a while back, Susie had, somebody went up to you, it wasn't actually, it was at Johnny's. Somebody went up to you afterwards and said, you know, okay, there were people were in there, they left, it was one of those nights, mm -hmm. and they said, you still give a thousand percent, no matter what. Yeah. I remember that person, that's true, every show you do, you just kick ass. Oh, yeah. Because I imagine 50 million people in front of me. All the time. I always think that there's somebody and because watching one day there me. Might That's be. the paranoid schizophrenic. Oh, yeah. Well, no, one day, one day they're very well. <laughs> it shows, too. Oh, and use, you use it like a superpower. Yeah, it's so true. You want, we're going to play a track for you as we yeah, leave. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I just you got an intro. Everything. You're, though, you're a musician. Oh, okay. You can say what it is and we'll play yeah, it then. Just let uh, me know what it is so I can tell yeah. people. This is this is just like uh, some stuff that me and my Congo player uh, like put together. It's like me, Congo player, and uh, my SPD pad. And it's just like me just painting. I call it just me painting. It's cool. Just me painting. Just me painting. Yeah, just me painting. <laughs> so this is thanks so, a lot. Give that a listen. Enjoy it. Susie Rastavan Knuckles. Thanks and, a lot. Hey, thanks, just uh, me painting. Thanks for having us. Yes, yes, you're welcome. Right back. Oh, always a pleasure. And we will play back. that and check it out. This is really good. You'll love it. It'll you'll go. It'll open your mind. You're gonna listen to Vaughn play the drums, man, and you're gonna be hooked because it, it takes a few minutes for the song to go in, and then you hear him play, and it's like. Are you sure this isn't a computer playing this? Because this is so... And I'm a meter Nazi. <laughs> and this is like right on, spot on. You are spot on. Thank you. Spot on, spot everybody. On. And yeah, thanks a lot. And for all of us, I'll do for now. I do. I do. Ciao.
five minutes? Yeah, I'm gonna be there at the house. All right, cool. Popping. You hear that? That's what we said. Yeah.